Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. Good morning. Like Pastor Brian said, my name is Amanda Carter, and if I haven't met you, which is probably a lot of you, um, I'm a volunteer here. I usually serve on the worship team, um, but I'm honored to get to share with you from God's Word today. If you want to follow along, there are message notes at lexcity.info. You'll see the scriptures in the notes. There's also other great information there if you want to check that out. So we're just going to dive straight in today to the word. And we are going to read an account from Jesus' life from the book of Mark. So we're going to start in Mark chapter 2. Verse 1, and as I read this or as you follow along, I want you to put yourself in the story. I want you to imagine that you are standing in the crowded house. I want you to picture the sights, the smells, the sounds, and be in the story because these were real people just like us standing there with Jesus. And so the more we can put ourselves there, I think the better we understand what was going on. So let's start in Mark chapter 2. Verse 1, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. And while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. And seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Now Luke also has an account of this story that I encourage you to check out sometime this week when you're reading your Bible. And Luke gives just a few more details that we'll talk about as we go, but there's a lot to see in this story. The first thing that we see is a large crowd. So people, including the Pharisees, the teachers of the religious law, have gathered from the whole region and they have packed out the house where Jesus was staying and teaching in Capernaum. Now Luke's account of this story tells us also that the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Now last week, TJ mentioned that God sees and values what so many of his followers do in the unseen. He called them the one-verse heroes. And God highly values the unseen. When talking about prayer, the Bible says that God rewards what is done in secret. I'm not talking about bad secrets. He also very clearly says that what is done in darkness will be brought into the light, that what is hidden will be made known. This is not that kind of secret. This secret is the place 
where you are the person you are when no one is watching, when it's just you and Jesus. God values who you are in that place more than in any place you're seen. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. And one of the reasons was because Jesus spent time in the secret place with God. If we read this story in context, right before the healing of the paralyzed man, if you rewound and read the end of Mark chapter one, you would see that Jesus had retreated to a solitary place to pray. He went to spend time alone with God so that he could get filled to continue to preach and heal where everyone could see. And if Jesus had to refill and reset in the presence of God, how much more do you think we need to spend time in the unseen with God? What we do with God in the unseen prepares us for the moments where we are seen. Those who can be trusted with the unseen moments can be trusted with the ones that others see. See, we stored more than our money. We stored other things that God has given us. We stored our talents. We stored trial. We stored heartache. We stored questions, courage, mission. We stored them where no one else sees but God until he can trust us to store them in front of other people. And this is how God has always worked. The unseen is like a training ground for the seen. Think about Moses, who spent 40 years as a shepherd in the wilderness, unseen, before God sent him back to Egypt to rescue the Israelites. Think about Joseph, who sat innocently in a prison cell for years before God elevated him to the second in command over all of Egypt. God values uses the unseen. Well, we've heard the phrase, things are not always as they seem, but for today's purposes, I would like to propose to you that when talking about the kingdom of God and how he works, things are not always as they're seen. Everyone here in the story had come to see Jesus and many had come to get healed. The Pharisees and religious leaders came for a different reason. They were there because they wanted to see what all the hype was about about Jesus because he had gone viral in a Middle Eastern Bible times kind of way. So before the solitary place, Jesus has healed many people, but he healed a leper or a man with a skin disease. And although Jesus asked him, please don't tell anybody I did this, Clearly, the man was excited about it and told lots of people that Jesus had healed him. And we can't really blame him, but this did cause Jesus to not be able to move around as easily or as unnoticed as before. So the Pharisees have come to see, who is this? And they believed that they're just looking at a man, Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, a carpenter's son, but they're baffled that he preached God's word with authority and had undeniably great power to heal. And while they thought he was just a man, they were actually seeing the very son of God, the one that all of their religious readings had pointed to for centuries. The Messiah was right in front of their eyes, but all they could see was a man, Jesus. Jesus is one of the best examples in this story that things are not always as they're seen. Next, we see some men enter the story carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. 
Now, research would tell us that these men were most likely relatives of the man on the mat, but regardless, these men loved the man on the mat enough to do whatever it took to get him to Jesus. See, they believed that Jesus could heal their friend. But when they arrive, all they see is a massive, impassable crowd. And this is the point when they could have given up and gone home. But remember, things are not always as they're seen. An impassable path became an opportunity for these men to look up, literally, above their circumstances and find another way. These people have come believing that Jesus can heal their friend and they will not stop until their friend is in front of Jesus. This is an example of what real faith looks like. Hebrews 11 describes faith this way. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. There it is again. God uses the unseen not only to build us and train us, but to define our faith. The four friends clearly had confidence that what they hoped for would happen because they went to great lengths to make sure Jesus saw their friend. They didn't simply believe Jesus could heal their friend and then sit down and hope he would do it and wait for him to do it. They took action based on their belief that if they got their friend to Jesus, he would be healed. They could have hoped for the paralyzed man's healing all day long. That hope was not gonna get him to Jesus. And our faith works much the same way. We can hope for the people around us to know Jesus and to come to him, but if we don't take any steps to help them get to Jesus, we haven't put our faith into action. God's invitation to us is not to just believe something and then go sit down somewhere and wait for the outcomes of what we believe to just happen. He, in his kindness and his wisdom, and in his desire to develop relationship with us, invites us to have a part in the story of living out our faith, to take action on what we believe. And our first action is always just as simple as the men's in the story. We just have to get to Jesus, and we should bring other people to him too. James 2, 14 through 17 describes this partnership between what we believe and what we do about it in this way. He says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions, can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing and you say, bye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing, what good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now don't get confused here. The book of Ephesians very clearly tells us that it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves so that no one can boast. This passage in James is not talking about doing things to get saved. This passage is talking about what the faith that saves you produces in you once you are saved. The men in the story took action by seeing the crowd, looking for another way, heading towards the roof of the house where Jesus was teaching and executing their plan. They knew what Jesus was capable of. 
Still, there was no actual guarantee that Jesus would heal their friend. There was no actual guarantee that someone wouldn't try to stop them before they got the hole in the roof. All of these unknowns were the things that the friends could not see, but they acted anyway. True faith is when you believe something enough to do something about it. We all need to look up from time to time above what we can see and remember that things are not always as they're seen. And it's not always easy, at least not for me. It looks this way with what we can see, but with God, it may actually be something altogether different. We may see obstacles and limitations in front of us that seem to make things impossible, but we can choose to and be willing to, even in that place, to take one step closer to Jesus. We see time and time again in scripture that God honors those who believe no matter what it looks like. Think of Abraham as he walked up the mountain to sacrifice his son Isaac. Think of Moses going to Pharaoh to say, set these slaves free, set the Israelites free, and instead just being rejected over and over again and actually making the life of the Israelites worse by showing up there. Things did not look good in either one of these scenarios. Sacrifice your son, you made it worse. If they had just taken action based on what they could see, these stories would have ended with defeat, not with the victory that God had for them. See, God is always working in unseen places to work out the perfect outcomes, but we must trust and obey him to see those. So let's pick up where we left off in the story. The four friends with the paralyzed man on the mat have made it to the roof. Now, imagine this roof entrance unfolding in real time. This is not their roof. This is someone else's roof. Stuff is falling on people's heads. Jesus is in the middle of preaching. They are totally interrupting. Sunlight starts streaming in, and the crowd below is both surprised and somewhat offended that these men would do this at all. There's a clip from The Chosen that I think gives us a great visual of what this moment might look like. Let's check it out. That's our roof. Put it back, man. You are willing, Rabbi. I know you can do this. I think sometimes we like to picture that every time Jesus taught, everyone sat very still and quiet and listened really well. The truth is, this would have caused, raised a ruckus. This was not quiet. People are murmuring, talking. Did you hear the, the person say, that's our roof? <laughs> Lowering their friend through someone else's roof was a gutsy move. This was love. This was faith in action. So now we're gonna switch the vantage point because we've been talking about what people saw and didn't see in the story. 
And now we're going to talk about what Jesus was seeing. Notice what Jesus sees first. It's the faith of the four men. The verse says, seeing their faith. Jesus saw their faith and turns and sees their paralyzed friend and says, young man, your sins are forgiven. Wait, did I read that correctly? Did you hear the record screech in your brain? It's like, what do you mean your sins are forgiven? I would imagine that the four friends were looking at each other like, we climbed up on a house, we opened a hole in a roof, and all Jesus has to say about it is, your sins are forgiven. That's nice and all, but what about his body? We did not come here for forgiveness. (laughs) And I wonder if we're honest if we'd have to admit that we feel the same way too sometimes. You ever felt confused by what God was doing? You ever prayed for something or someone or believed God for something or someone and then it appears he does nothing or he does something completely unrelated or sometimes maybe even the opposite of what you were hoping that he would do? Do you ever feel that what you need most is not being seen by God. These men hanging through a hole in another man's roof worked so hard to get their friends to Jesus. And now it appeared as though Jesus was missing his obvious need, but things aren't always as they're seen. Here's what's true. God always sees the things we can't see. God always sees more than we can see. So let's see this played out in the next part of the story. Jesus was clear throughout his ministry that he only said and did what God the Father told him to say and do while he was on earth. John describes it this way. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God's very presence came and took up residence through Christ in the world. Colossians 1.15 says it this way. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. So if God always sees the things we can't see, if God always sees more than we can see, then that means that standing in that crowded room, Jesus could see things no one else could see. Jesus could see more than anyone else could see. And Jesus' purpose for forgiving the man's sins is very intentional. It's geared straight towards the hearts and minds of the Pharisees and actually meets the paralyzed man's greatest need. But only someone who was God could forgive sins, and everyone there knew it. By forgiving the paralyzed man's sin, Jesus was saying, I am God. Of course, we know, as we read the story, that Jesus was God. But in that moment, the Pharisees couldn't see. So they had on these religious blinders. They also had on jealousy blinders. And therefore, they only see this man in front of them, a man who's more popular than they are, who's drawing crowds, who teaches with more authority, who performs miracles. And he didn't look anything like the promised Messiah that they were expecting. And that made it really hard for the Pharisees to see Jesus clearly. The next thing that Jesus sees that no one else can see is what the Pharisees are thinking. Let that sink in for a minute. He saw their thoughts. He knew they were saying to themselves, who does he think he is? 
That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus brings the unseen into the scene with a question. Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? This is a very challenging question. But it opened a door for Jesus to validate his authority, to reveal himself as the son of God, and to heal a man's broken body all at the same time. Ironically, the Pharisees kind of answered their own question, who does he think he is, when one line later they said, only God can forgive sins. Yes, you nailed it. This is God. Not only was Jesus saying he had the authority to forgive sins, he was going to prove it, to act on it. Now, if Jesus could see the thoughts in the hearts of the Pharisees, he could have known everyone else's too. There's a lot of thoughts in this room. Someone's thinking about the roof. The paralyzed man is thinking, I'm not used to being in front of people. I'm not comfortable here. The Pharisees are frustrated, horrified, offended. But Jesus loved the man on the mat. He loved the friends on the roof who were thinking, what is he doing? He loved the Pharisees, and he loved every spectator in the crowd too much to not give them a chance to know he was who he said he was. He was God. He was the real Messiah, the visible image of the Father in heaven. Emmanuel, God with us. The friends just wanted their buddy to be healed that day. But because of their faith, they didn't just open a roof. They opened up hearts and minds of everyone there to get a revelation of who God really is. So Jesus said, I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. He turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Luke's gospel account of this story tells us that immediately, as everyone watched... As everyone could see, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Jesus proved his identity as God with a profound miracle that everyone could see, so that everyone could know God. Please understand, Jesus' powerful miracles were not for show, but so that we would know. Suddenly, everyone sees as everyone watched. Everyone's gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today because when you see God, you can't help but praise him. In Mark's account, the man walks out through the stunned onlookers, those looking on, who themselves praised God and said, we've never seen anything like this before. Things are not always as they're seen, but with God, when God lets us see, it's always so much more than we thought it would be. And here we are. We're people who long to see God. Some of us may even think, if God would just show himself to me, then I would follow him. That's not how this works. Faith requires embracing certain unseen truths 
like the reality of heaven that one day we will see. Only sometimes does God peel back the curtain and let us see, but even then, we still only see dimly. But faith opens our eyes to the kingdom of God. It opens our heart to embrace the unseen things until Jesus returns and we spend eternity with him. Because we just want to get to him. True faith prompts us to take action that lives out what we believe about God, what he tells us to do, how he tells us to love others. And guess what? When we do that, when we obey, when we follow, when we press through the things we don't see, we as carriers of God's presence through the Holy Spirit, we become the visible image of the invisible God to a world that is just as desperate for deliverance and healing as the people crowding around Jesus that day. This is the point of the church. This is the way the kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. So what's one action step that you can take to get to Jesus? Jesus' whole point of being on earth was to make a way for you to get to him. And you don't have to open a hole in a roof. In your life, where do you need to apply the things aren't always as they're seen idea? In other words, where are you having to trust that God is working good things out in the unseen despite how bad your circumstances look? God always sees the things that we can't see and he always sees more. He sees all that he made you to be. He knows every thought of your heart. He's not afraid of your questions and he will patiently reveal himself to you. Just keep getting to him. If you need some people to lower you through a roof, there are people here who will do that for you. They wanna get you to Jesus too. He has so much that he wants you to see. Let him show you how you can take a step closer to him this week. Let's pray. God, it's hard when we don't see. We like to know where we're going. We like to know what you're doing. We like to understand everything that's happening. And so part of this, God, is just throwing up our hands and saying, we trust you. We have no idea what you're doing, but we trust you and we're willing to do something about our faith. We're willing to live like people who love you, like people who know you, like people who believe that you're still powerful today. God, our world needs us to be the visible image of you, so would you help us do that? We can't do it without you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church/give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.